uh, have a good rest of your recording. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> bye bye. Uh, all right, and I'm gonna go enjoy the rest of this beautiful freaking day. Oof. Fifty degrees. What temperature. Okay. It's fifty degrees, man. It's great. Hell yeah. Yeah. Take it's that. February. Climate oh, change. Enjoy rules. that. Climate change absolutely rules. Conditionally. It. It's great. Oh. Just go home and campaign for Mitt Romney. <laughs> I'm going to cast magic to see if there's any like malevolent magic around us because I believe Jonathan. There is a fog at the edge of this place, a fog that is slowly creeping in, the most horrible thing that you have ever seen. And the thing that chills you most, more than the doom that is spelled for this town by the malevolence that lives in the air around it, you see a tiny, thin thread attached to Jonnet's hand. It's a small, small thread of a curse. A curse that you have seen before. In your years walking this earth, 200 of them, you must have seen someone with a mariner's mark beginning to form. Uh. Where does the line go to on Jonnet? It is at the center of one of his palms. You got a triumph on this, so I can give you more information than just that, though. Yes, please. You know that a mariner's mark always starts with something like this, but this itself doesn't mean that the mariner is in danger of taking over this person. Uh, a mariner's mark is also the mariner also more means, especially towards the beginning. Uh, the mariner is interested in this person, uh, mm. has more business with this person, is watching this person. So it's not as though Jonnet has received notice that his life is forfeit and that he will soon be within the mariner's thrall. It's Jonnet had an encounter with a mariner and the mariner has left something behind. Mm. Okay. So Gable casts a spell and then all of a sudden comes back to themselves and thinks for a moment of how to phrase this. This is as if a doctor is telling you how sick you are. Oh, I feel like Jonet sees that immediately on their face and he's trying to give them the space to find the words, but his hand slowly like reaches up to their arm and it's just very lightly resting on it but it's also a little bit of like what is going on yeah it's like starting to what your, yeah. your grip is starting to firm a little bit <laughs> cable john it show me show me your hands he puts his hands up is there anything on there there is no bl- visible, blemish. visible blemish he's like by the time 
that you another thing that you might know is by the time uh, you can see something on someone's skin, it's too late. Okay. They see that and breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Uh, it's... John, you said that the Mariner saw you, correct? Oh, yeah. He, he looked directly at me. I felt it to my core, and I kind of felt it again, which is why I took that fall back there. This is going to sound frightening. I'm already frightened. Because it is. Okay. <laughs> but this is not a sentence. Yet. You bear the mariner's mark. Jonathan looks at his hands again I've and seen he it. starts to like try and rub them together. No, no, no. What 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 is that? What does that it's, mean? Gable? It's just, it's a line, it's a connection, it's a tether. It means that he has seen you and has marked you as someone in his orbit. It doesn't mean that you're soon to die. It doesn't mean that you're soon to join his ranks. For all we know, that means you've been marked as his equal. So I'm... You are a child. So he he can just... I, I saw... I saw something that wasn't there. I saw this entire city just empty and and he was closing in. He can do that whenever he wants. All right, I don't want to I don't want to just be able to go throughout my life and have the mariner be able to just make me feel that way whenever he wants. You don't have to. From what I saw in the sky when we landed, you are capable of things that Not even the Mariner could do. This is frightening, and you should be afraid of it, but that doesn't mean that anything is going to happen. And it doesn't mean anything is going to happen right now. It's just something that you need to know. You need to learn how to fight it. Okay. And then one day we'll break the tether. We'll figure it out. But nothing's happening right now, so it's okay for today. We just gotta know what it is. We gotta learn what it is to fight it. Wait, 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 wait. And Are you... I'm not gonna tell you not to, but opening your eye is dangerous. I just gotta know if... If I'm linked to him, I I want to see the link. And when I when I use this, he points to his head. I can see the links. I can see how we're connected. Okay, I'll be right here. Thank you, Gable. And I'll shake you. Is that will shaking work? I don't. Um, do. Uh, I mean, I don't. If that's if that's I'll a plan, A, then yeah, but. If you can I'll think of something, you. anything I'll... better, do like a spell or like... I can't okay. think of anything better right now. Shaking is my A plan. My B plan is nothing. <laughs> so how about you just okay, go well for then, it? Then uh, we'll shake. Shake easy, then ramp up the shake. Yes. Okay? Okay, What yes. about just like right, say my yes. name a couple times and then shake? Uh, uh, maybe both. We'll see. But you just go Okay. And then uh, I would like to... Open the eye. Try to open the eye. To open your eye, I will need you to spend three yep. strain 
and this is going to be a hard perception or arcana check, whichever you I prefer. I will definitely use that arcana. Okay, so that is two successes and three threats. Perfect. I couldn't have asked for a better <laughs> roll, Jonnet. You open your eye. And the methodology with which you see the universe is not entirely unlike Gables. You see lines of divine light. You can see the destiny of objects and people around you as the world swirls. And you can feel that same burdensome dread that Gable encountered when they looked around. But you also have a better sense of self uh, than Gable would have of your external being. And you can see more clearly in your palm the line of the curse that extends outward. Ugh. You can see that line. Is it, is it real quick, is it uh, left or right hand? Which uh, Up to you. What, what do you prefer? Uh, I prefer his left hand. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It Very is his cool. left Sorry. hand. Go ahead. <laughs> is Jonnet left or right handed? He's right handed. Uh, so yes, it is your left hand. You hold your left hand up and you can see this dark, inky black line that extends from it. And wafting off of it is once again that smell of rancid seaweed. All of the smell of rot and death that accompanies a seashore after uh, something has washed up on it. You see this line, and it extends vaguely in the direction of the seashore. However, you also rolled three threats. So you can see a tendril of that line extending off towards the town square. There is something of the mariners in the square at the end of that tendril. So... There's a hole in his hand, mm -hmm. or the mark on his hand. So, yeah, imagine a needle has been struck to... through your palm. Yeah. Great. Um, so then in one direction, it goes out towards the sea, mm -hmm. and then in the other direction, it goes towards the the square? Yes. Okay. Jonnet is going back and forth between what's going on there, and he looks back towards the the square. Gable? Is it shaking time? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm good on the shake. I'm good on the shake, but I feel like Gable like picks you up for a second. <laughs> Getting ready. No, 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 hang on. Gable, put me down. I'm good on the shake. I just I think that there's something connected to the mariner here in Nordia. At that point, you hear shouts from the square. Some of them are fearful, some of them are confused. It sounds different than the the singing and excitement that you just left moments ago. Uh, there is an urgency to them. And, Jonnet, within you there is an urgency. A deep voice calling to you. You can see uh, the, the tendrils of your magic fading as you closed your eye not to keep it open and sustain it and tire yourself. Uh, within that magic, you hear a deep and powerful voice that is not a voice in and of itself, just a message to you. And it comes from the river. It tells you, go, save them.
Gable. Jonathan, we you stay go. here. You stay here. N- not a chance, Gable. I'm coming with you. Something's going on. And we cut back to Travis. You have given me uh, quite a heavy piece of information. Uh, as per our agreement, you are allowed to ask me something in return. How do you know you can help me? I don't. I suspect I need to help you. I asked those things that our order communicates with where I was to go, and it told me to come here. You are the most broken thing that I have seen here in this place full of wounded and broken things. Okay, I get it. I get it. I don't mean that as an insult, Mr. Matigo. It is simply a truth. When were you cursed by the queen? (laughs) It's been quite a long time. I understand that what you're telling me is the truth, but it is a small truth. Oh, uh, 195 years, give or take. Travis feels the spell intensify to a degree that has heretofore been unfelt. Your heart is racing again. Like there is a little bit of butterflies in your stomach as well. Um, And the air itself like has that tinny taste, almost like licking a battery kind of feeling to it. Uh, There is a lot of power here. Mr. Matigo, you may very well be the most interesting person I've ever met. I get that a lot. Be careful what you say. You might break the spell. No, that one was true. (laughs) Do you have any questions for me now? It can be big or small. As long as you ask a question, the spell keeps going. Have you ever met anyone like me before? Yes, though I suppose that answer really depends on who you mean. I've never met anyone as old as you before. I have met people afflicted by different curses, some wrought on by luminaries themselves, others wrought on by powerful magic casters and forces like that. My yes was more oriented towards how broken you are. And I do apologize. I do apologize (laughs) if I cause offense with that. Well, now it's, it's just, I mean, it's just rude, honestly. I mean, you have been hurt very badly and you haven't bothered to tend to the wound. And that is not an uncommon thing for changelings because some of you get reborn and don't have to tend to their wounds. So you must make it a habit of taking on pains that will disappear with time. And you apparently have all the time the world has to offer. It's true. (laughs) And uh, I'm hoping that come morning I'll be, uh, you know, good as new. But I... I just don't know anymore. She takes a breath and says, 
will you help me cast another spell? Do I have a choice? You do. At all points during our meetings, you have a choice. You can leave at any time. I can only help you if you stay. But there is always a choice. Okay. She takes her finger and puts it in front of your face. Please kiss my finger. Okay. You want me to make um, a kissy noise, James? <laughs> yes, please. Give us, please give us some of that good Foley work. Beautiful. <laughs> Uh-oh. One kiss. Hey, hey, buddy. Don't get fresh. Uh, with that, she takes her finger back and kisses it herself and then places it on her forehead and draws the shape of an eye. And once that is complete, you feel some of the power that was making the world so overwhelming and electric and enhancing all of these feelings you had within yourself wane a little bit as she casts her spell. I think circumstances may have changed in a way that you did not anticipate. But I do have good news for you. I can help you with that. It's going to take a lot, though. Well, like you said, I've got all the time the world has to offer. I think you used to. Hmm? Mr. Matigo, I believe something happened to you. Something happened when you wounded yourself that has disrupted this curse this constant in your life no it wasn't it wasn't me it was it was my big idiot friend uh, that does segue me into my next question how many friends do you have well what's a what's a what's a friend really i believe you know how many friends do I have now, or how many have I ever had? Well, I couldn't possibly ask you how many you've ever had. Hopefully, we'd be here all night. Well, <laughs> let's start with how many you have now. Two. One of them I hate very much, and one of them is a small boy. <laughs> and how many friends have you had over your life, if you were to hazard a guess? More than two, but less than eight. Mm. That, Mr. Matigo, is what I mean when I say you are broken. Changelings especially a changeling in your position and many other beings either with blessings or curses or what have you. Beings that live very long lives. After 20, 30 years, 
begin to think of themselves as no longer being people. And in some respects, I understand and respect that identifier. But even if you feel pain that people cannot feel, even if you have needs that people do not have, you still retain the needs that every person has. One of those is friendship, love, intimacy. All of the things a black lily is supposed to heal. This is why I am here. Can we go back to the part where you said that maybe I, um, you know, won't get better and might die or whatever? Yes. I believe that when you are to change, you will not have an arm. Well, uh, you will be reborn into a broken body. Okay, but it, so the thing is, it's spring right now, so I would actually be a, a snake, and snakes don't have arms, so it's not really a big. Then it's probably a good thing that we caught this now, because you wouldn't have found out until tomorrow morning. No, I would have known I was a snake all night. I can understand with a sense of humor like that why it might be difficult to make friends. No, it's them, not me. (laughs) (laughs) You are wounded, both in body and soul. You lost an arm, and as your curse dictates, you should be reborn in a permanent form, a form dictated by your own soul. But your soul doesn't have an arm. So when you are reborn in a man's body, you will not have an arm. We can fix this, but it will take time. Okay. I I read you loud and clear. I will cut off my friend's arm because they did this to me. (laughs) Uh, She giggles (laughs) and takes another uh, swig of her drink. You use humor to voice your discomfort. Is it working? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Well, you know, it helps it uh, go down a little smoother. Well, you'll probably be heartened to know that this injury that you've come across could not have happened at a better time. (laughs) Okay. Great. Great. (laughs) So, so glad that my, my gigantic fool of a friend happened <laughs> the happened. qualifier and the adjective descriptor always has to go one after the other <laughs> big and dumb <laughs> tall and stupid <laughs> enormous the worst <laughs> large and not smart just just truly truly blessed for su- for such a fortuitous maiming <laughs> you see We are at the start of Baganalia, the festival. And for the next three days, Nordia will be in Baganalia. So all three days are part of the same whole. So for our purposes, part of the same what? Part of the same whole. Oh, like a W hole. Yes. I don't know if there was like a thing that I didn't understand. Like a day hole, I don't know. The bog hole, the bo- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we throw him I in get- the bog hole, and we. 
<laughs> and Throw them in the bee hole. Throw them up into a nice boy soup, we do. And then we have it, our, our last celebrations with it, don't we? <laughs> God, that's good. <laughs> they are all three parts to the same whole. Tomorrow will be Baganalia. The day following will be Baganalia. And the morning after that will be Baganalia. All one connected thing. Your curse will only be solidified, or I should say the damage to your curse will only be solidified once the day changes. But you and I have an opportunity to cast a spell between us to make three days one day. For you, because today is Baganalia and tomorrow is Baganalia, it will be as though your curse has not rolled over. We have until the end of the festival to fix this, if you should desire treatment from me. So you're telling me the last week of my life that felt like over a year was really yeah. just one day? <laughs> from certain magical perspectives, yes. Well, let's, uh, let's do it, I guess. I don't want to... This was my stealing arm. <laughs> I can see that that's very important to you. And all my and watches are going to fall off. Preserve. There's no hand to oh. stop them. Oh. That's important. Now that's very, truly very tragic. Important. <laughs> that will require some powerful magic. And I have spent a good deal of my magic to see. I will require something else in order to power this next spell. And it will take your cooperation. Do you understand? I guess. You can reject any offer that I make, and I will try to find a suitable alternative should you not be comfortable. Do you understand that? Yes. I wish to stop time, to pause it. Will you kiss me? Okay, this is, this is crazy. This is a lot right now. I am a black lily. Mr. Matigo, this is how our power works. I will ask from you acts of kindness, intimacy, and joy, and I will use those to heal you. But only if you are comfortable. If you kiss me and it is not something that you are comfortable with, if it brings you sorrow instead of joy, then I will get no power from the spell. All right. Let's. <laughs> she moves closer to you and leans into you and then turns her cheek to you and winks. <laughs> I, I kiss her cheek. And the air fills with electricity once more. Will you hold my hand, Mr. Matigo? Yes. She grabs your hand, places it on the table, and then places her other hand on top and starts to draw symbols on the back of your hand. Goose pimples move up your arm and around your body as you feel the frisson of the spell as it works. Uh, time seems to slow down and the electricity that fills the air in the moment slowly focuses itself focuses itself down onto your hand and there's a symbol there a mark that is left with you when she moves her hand away 
What is it? Mm. Ooh. Mm. I mean, is it maybe the, the symbol for the black lilies? Okay, yeah, yeah. It can just be a black lily that's on the back of your hand. She moves it away and like all of the power that you felt in the air disappears. It's sort of collected on your hand. Your hand doesn't feel buzzy or anything. It feels unlike a normal hand. When this mark disappears, the spell will be broken and day will be able to become night for you once more. But until it is, you will be a man. At night? Even at night. Oh. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to do anything close to that if that kiss you gave me wasn't a very powerful kiss indeed. When's the last time you kissed someone, Mr. Matigo? Is this a question for the spell or a question for your curiosity? My curiosity. Well, uh, the gentleman never kisses and tells, and neither do I. <laughs> uh, Monster trash. <laughs> garbage. She leans back and claps, uh, clearly charmed. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. First up, I want to remind everyone that we are currently funding the first season of Skyjack's Courier's Call over on Kickstarter. And I'm extremely happy to report that thanks to all of you, we have already funded our first season. We hit our goal on our first day of funding yesterday, which means we've got some exciting stretch goals in front of us. If times are tough, do not worry because you're getting the show no matter what. However, if you do still have a little bit more to spend, if we manage to hit our $10,000 stretch goal, we'll be getting a new song from Arnie Parrot. And folks, I would love the opportunity for us to incorporate any work of Arnie's into the season. If you liked the Courier's Call run over here, be sure to check out Skyjack's Courier's Call on its own feed. You can find that and subscribe by using your favorite podcast app and searching Skyjack's Courier's Call. You can find the Kickstarter by heading to bit.ly slash couriers season one. And that's one as in the numeral one. A huge thanks to everyone who's already signed up. I am so grateful that we get to make this show. Next up, we've got a Radvertisement, and this one comes to us from Sean O'Hara and Spout Lore. Spout Lore follows a lifelong nerd's attempt to lead an artist, comedian, and an improviser through their first tabletop campaign. Characters include Ving, a shape-shifting half-elf druid, Fat Billy, the nine-year-old halfling thief, and a music-loving barbarian named Tacoma Dome. The world and story are completely made up as they play, so even the GM doesn't know what's going to happen next. Episodes are short and focus on comedy, fun, and production quality. And of course, collaborative storytelling. You can listen to Spout Lore at spoutlore.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow them online at Spout Lore on most social media sites. A huge thanks to Sean and the gang for sponsoring this week's episode. 
Finally, before we get back to the episode, we've got a name correction. We apparently looked over Anton Hagerstrand in our thank yous. So, Anton, thank you so much for supporting the show. Now, we're going to be doing a new batch of individual listener thank yous soon. If you would like to be included in that new batch, be sure to sign up to support us over at patreon.com slash oneshotpodcast. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us there already and everyone who's going to join us in the future. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Well, for now, that is all we'll be able to do without sunlight. So, I believe you owe me a few drinks at the very least. And maybe some food. This will be the first time I've been able to drink as a man at night in almost 200 years. (laughs) You get to see me at my peak in a way that no one else has in so long. Uh, Oh, no. Travis, like, rips open the curtain <laughs> and is like, a round of bog wine. <laughs> and as you do that, uh, the noise from outside starts to peek in, and you can hear excited and confused shouting from the bar as most people in this pub are gathered around the windows looking at something happening outside. We cut back to Gable and Jonathan. I'm running towards the sound. Yeah, and I think I'm going to put that you are running towards it behind Jonathan. Oh, really? Fine. Fine. <laughs> the, the only reason is, as I will point out, Jonnet owes the river. The river is the luminary that helped Jonnet cast the spell, which cleared the sky aboard the ship and allowed you to pull into port. Uh, and the river is about overcoming challenges and answering uh, calls to action, even when things are very difficult and could result in disaster. The river has called Jonnet to save the people in this town. Uh, great. We're running. We're running. We're running. Yeah, we're running. Jonnet already has his knife. No, he's got his hand on, just kind of on the hilt of his revolver. And he's just kind of like, he's doing his best to like bob and weave, but he's also just like shoving through a couple people uh, just trying to get to the the where the action is. So uh, you can see that a circle of people has, has cleared around uh, several struggling figures. It looks like on the ground you see two or three people with bloodied faces sort of moaning and groaning and rolling about holding injuries while there are three strong men sort of wrestling with a figure. Jonnet and Gable, because you have a bit of a better understanding of what this situation is than other people around you and are looking at more details, you can see the figure that these three are struggling against has tattered clothing and pale skin. And you can also smell the faint smell of seawater on the air. Ooh. So are, are we in the circle now? 
so yeah, like you are close enough that you could move in now. Like you, you have a very good view. You've you're able to easily push your way to the front. Jonnet, for you, it is as though a path is created for you. Every time you take a step forward, people just happen to shift out of your way. The river is guiding your path towards this situation. Okay. Uh, Gable is just so very big. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Jonnet, I guess, probably Jonnet was, the initial plan was maybe to get to the get to a vantage point and see what's happening but i think the because of the river things have parted ways to the point where he just walks up into the center of the circle because people have just parted just happened to part that way mm-hmm. um and so in looking i don't know any we don't know any of these people right no no okay. you don't they're just like brightly dressed festival goers okay what's going on here this lout just punched a lady, and then a gentleman, and then another lady, and now we're trying to arrest him. Uh, and as he says this, an elbow flies from this person and catches him in the nose and knocks him to the ground. There are now two people holding either side of this figure, which turns its gaze on you. And you can feel the chill enter your heart. This is undoubtedly a drowned sailor. You too. Let go of him. Stand back. And they do. Very easily and fluidly. They listen to you in that commanding voice that you sometimes pull out on the deck of the Uhuru. In fact, you called that command earlier, and I'm trying to remember when you managed to call a command. I think it was when you were landing on the Uhuru after getting back from the civility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the the call of command enters your voice once again, and people spring back. The drowned sailor whirls around and turns his gaze towards you. You can feel the power of the river leave the scene. All it wanted was for you to enter this dangerous situation and contend with fate. Having done that, you have satisfied the prayer that you made earlier, and your balance is fulfilled. Now, I mean, Jonnet has encountered the Mariner. He knows this person to be a threat. Does he understand the, I guess, the degree of it that, like, he is a drowned sailor with the Mariner? Have you fought? uh, This is a question that you can answer for me, Tyler. Uh, Uh You've been on the Uhuru for six months. Uh, You were traveling for some period of time before then, and you lived in Acheron, which was part of the mainland, so you probably haven't encountered mariners there. But in your travels between getting on the leaving home and getting on the Uhuru, did you encounter a mariner? I I feel like it would be no. I want it to be yes, but I feel like it's no. I feel like I probably have, though. Oh, Gable for for sure sure has. Okay, between the two of us, we can solve this problem and talk about it later. Yeah. Uh, If I may. uh, Mm -hmm. You absolutely may. I think when Gable got there, I think they're going to try and take it over, trying to subdue the the figure. Absolutely. Uh, You want to run in there? Yeah, uh, and because I'm going to use one of my new talents, James. 
Ooh, yeah. goody. We're playing the game now. Uh, I'm going to use Time quick strike. to play the game. I'm going to use right. quick strike. And I believe all that means is that for actions in combat where the other person has not yet taken a turn, I get a blue die. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Radical. Do it. Four successes. Uh, four successes yeah. plus your three. So that is going to be a total of seven damage against this sailor. Is that uh, three just that's, for me? From because Brawl is just like punching and throwing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. But it still it still adds your brawn to okay, it. Okay, yeah. Um, so so four successes plus the three brawn is going to make uh, seven overall. Mm-hmm. So this this is going to severely damage this person, but it's not going to kill them. What does that look like? The way that I picture it is the moment that this, the, uh, what it's kind of a zombie, not a zombie ish. The, the sailor (laughs) elbowed the other person with uh, like, they're three strong guys elbowed uh, someone and broke like, and like broke the nose. Gable just Mm -hmm. like went into instinct and went and, grabbed it by the head and just flung it as hard as it could. And if there's, I think there's a low wall next to it and like thunked it into the wall and then kicked it in the chest. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, so yeah, you slam into the wall and, and, and you slam the drowned sailor's head into the wall and you hear a crunch and a snap. Um, then you kick then you kick him in the chest and they roll back and the air fills with the smell of rotting fish as you can see instead of blood on the ground there is a sludgy seawater that that is now running down that low wall the sailor picks themselves up and stands up and you can see that their cheekbone uh, where it struck the wall is broken and because of that their eye socket has dropped Uh, their jaw is also hanging loose but they get up as though their bones still work and they turn an eye to Jonnet as they raise a palm towards Gable I'm going to have it roll an attack using a spell. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, Gable, what's your willpower? Two. Two. It's not too bad. And this is only a single sailor. A single sailor came into the town one day and died. He got up and he danced around and this is why he cried. Oh, I'm a sailor. You're a sailor. We're a sailor too. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So the mariner's mark that is on this sailor's palm it feels like it pulses through the air and you can feel it trying to affect you for a moment it feels as though your limbs are heavy it feels as though you're under a massive amount of crushing pressure and then you kind of fight through that feeling and cast it aside so uh, whatever spell it was trying to cast on you fails. Uh, as we turn to Jonnet, it is your turn. So I want to fan the hammer on this guy's kneecaps. Damn, okay. Mm, um, and, but I'm looking at the, the rule book, and it says if you fan the hammer, you automatically run out of bullets. Like you have the out of ammo um, yeah. result. But I also don't know... It doesn't say how many bullets is in my revolver. 
I would assume yeah, six. I don't but... think I don't think we've decided that as a setting, so we can okay. decide that right now. Unlimited um, bullet cheat code. <laughs> yeah, I've got a, okay, I've got so a headband this... that I put on, and I have infinite ammo. Liz has a vote that all guns have unlimited bullets. Yes. Uh, I can see as a GM how that might cause some problems uh, for the setting. So I'm going to say we'll dial it back from infinite a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the design for guns in this setting, it's not terribly refined. It's certainly not up to the point that like we would have a six shooter or a Colt 45, uh, you know, in, in the 1800s, in the mid 1800s, I am going to say that revolvers in this setting are very large and cumbersome. I think I've pointed that out before. Like the barrel is very long. Mm -hmm. It's, It's full of heavy machinery. I think you have four shot barrels. Okay. Um, so there are paper cartridges that you load into those barrels uh, that, you know, carry either uh, like some grape shot or actual uh, slugs. And uh, you'll get four shots out of those before you have to reload. We did Great. turn on Whoop. paintball mode, though. Yes. And DK mode is on. <laughs> I guess I should have pointed that out from the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> okay. DK mode is on. DK mode is on. So picture everybody with very big heads and very, very small bodies. <laughs> Well, this big-headed boy is going to shoot this not zombie, but zombie-adjacent man's kneecaps out, so he's going to drop him to the floor. So that's going to be four shots. Well, I'll I'll roll for it, but that will be four shots, hopefully, at six damage coming at him. All right, so here we go. Wow, I haven't used a weapon in a minute. So next to the weapon, I... What's that? It's been a scooch. It's been a scooch? You know, uh, a minute, scooch. like a, a uh-huh. little bit. Scooch. A teeny tiny scooch. Yeah, yeah. Just a scooch. So am I rolling with the dice under the weapon section itself? The dice under the, the, the specific weapon that you're using. Cool. James, I didn't know we were supposed to roll the dice for the weapon. Yeah. Are yeah, you kidding the, me? You might be better with the weapon or the oh, weapon might add absolutely. you some specific benefit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I have... I have... One failure and five advantages. <laughs> he just decides to die because he's tired. <laughs> um, this is good, Jonathan. This is very good. Hold on. Let me just read Fan the Hammer really quick. I'm a fan of the Hammer. The Hammer is one of my closer friends. They got a little bit famous, but I feel like they're still down to earth enough to let me, uh, uh, you know, be part of their life. It's page 76, 76, I think. Keep going, Liz. Sorry. (laughs) No, well, the nail is, well, it got really too big for its britches. I can't even talk to the nail anymore. But the hammer, you know, I'm just a real (laughs) fan of, and I think he's a fan of me. I'm sorry. What was he he talking about? Oh, yeah. I have two DUIs. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, one's not really a DUI because I was on a bicycle. But I, well, I guess I can. But I but was loaded. I was loaded. Yeehaw! Like just like my my friend, the hammer on the gun. Uh, anyway, uh, and that is why I'm running for city council because I would like to expunge <laughs> my two DUIs. Thank you. <laughs> and that was the only uh, candidate. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, could you roll an additional purple die? I only rolled so, two. 
Should I roll a third? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you you're, you got to roll one more because apparently Fan the Hammer adds another purple die to the check. Really? Well, this might that get seems... worse. All right, so that's two failures and five advantages. Cool. Hold Man, on. really crap in the bed, Johnnet. Woofa doofa. Well, he's just had a long day, hasn't he, though? But it's going to be lucky. It's just not going to, you know, kill him. Uh, this fan, the hammer uh, quality rules. It's going to be very cool when it uh, pays off <laughs> using it later. Right now, it didn't quite work exactly how you wanted. Um, yeah. So basically, you don't do damage to this person, but you are going to get a big tactical advantage in this combat. I am going to rule because of the specific situation that you're in, your shots hit. Your shots hit and exploding out the back of this person's limbs, you can see sprays of water shoot up. I'm going to say maybe it's one or, yeah, one or two of your shots hit. Uh, And when they do, it's as though they are just going through seawater. The rest of them uh, caused the cobblestones around this person to explode. Uh, You don't have any threats, so you didn't hit any bystanders with this. But it seems shooting this thing in the legs has not done damage to it. With that, it's Gable's turn. Okay, okay. After seeing the the shots ring out, what what does the crowd look like right now? Are they anxious? Do they want us to stop? It's as though they are frozen in place, frozen with fear. <laughs> Some of them are like, oh God, this is just a wild situation that's escalated way the heck out of control. But, you know, the rest of them that, that are really thinking rationally and carefully are like, we just saw this any person should either be dead or unconscious after having their head fully slammed into a wall. This person stood up and got shot in the leg and didn't bleed and it's as though they don't care about what's happening to them. This is fucked up. Okay. Uh, I believe what's going through Gable's mind now is like they know that this is not human and therefore doing actual damage to it is probably not going to do all of that much, but also casting magic is drawing attention that we don't necessarily want. So I'm going to keep on grinding through just doing physical damage, and I'm going to try and do some melee, I believe. And Ooh, drawing a sword. Well, actually, no, I haven't gotten any new weapons yet, so I guess I'm just using my bod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll, we'll save that until you you yeah. bought a weapon because I feel like that'll be a fun thing. <laughs> well, we'll see. Depends how well we improvise. Um, so then I'll just do another <laughs> brawl check. But I am also going to use duelist talent on this one. Then that is another blue die, a single blue die, not the same blue die. Three successes. Three successes. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm good at very. That few is things. enough. And these are them. Yeah. The, this dude had three wounds left and you just did another seven damage. How do you just wreck this fucking sailor? I step on its face. Well, actually, no, he's not prone, is he? Actually, that could be a thing that John did. Perhaps it didn't blow his knees off, but it was enough to make him fall down. Okay. Nope. Then with a big stomp, and with as much force as they can muster, and because there's no reason to feel guilty, a big stomp just <laughs> crushes the face of the zombie with their foot, with their entire boot. Excellent. As you do, you hear a crunch followed by a splash. 
as as soon as the structural integrity of this body has been broken down to the point where it wouldn't be able to make itself move, it turns into seawater and then bubbles into foam and blows away in the wind. Gable turns to Jonnet with a look. Jonnet, you can feel the eyes of the crowd on you and your friend. People are confused and frightened. They are waiting for something to happen, for something to break this tension. And you understand that depending on how the tension is broken, things could be very, very bad. Someone needs to say something. What does Jonnet say? <laughs> Jonnet spots one of the short dudes that we were chatting up earlier. And yeah. he's got, he sees him and he kind of like snaps over to him and he, he motions like, give me that wine. Give me that wine. Oh, and, uh, yeah, sure. Whoa, whatever. He takes the, the wine. Everyone knows about the Mariner, right? That's yeah. kind of common knowledge. Okay. Oh, that is super common knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Not everybody believes in the Mariner, but everyone has heard stories. Okay. An attempt of evil on this town has been thwarted. And for that, we cheers. Hell yeah. Jonnet, please make a charm check and add two blue dice. Sure. Two sure. very charming, isn't he? Okay. I mean, you can't shit the bed more than once a night, right? Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. John and Alan. Okay. John it. Okay, so that is two successes. Hell yeah. These cancel out and one threat. Yeah. The crowd is silent after you do that, and you can feel nobody doing anything. And so you like pop the cork with your thumb and take a quick drink mm -hmm. and the crowd erupts in cheers around that. It's time to toast the axle. And I am going to say that now for the next couple days, any social interaction that any member of the crew of the Uhuru has with someone from this town, you will get a blue die Yay! because you are the heroes who thwarted a drowned sailor in full view of the town in the middle of the square. And stories are going to spread about heroes, that. Heroes, heroes, heroes. We are from the Uhuru, and we are here for Bogganalia! And more cheers go up. It's an uproar. And we sort of pull back through the crowd, cheering as the music starts up again. Uh, people rush to surround Gable and Jonnet to offer pats on the back and, and handing bottles of bog wine towards the both of them. We, we pull back through that crowd and through a window of a local pub. In fact, the same pub that currently Travis and Margaret are occupying the top floor of. Through a window of a secluded private booth, where we see a man who is balding with salt and pepper hair, surrounded by finely dressed people in silk, is sipping from a glass full of very fine bog wine, looks out into the crowd and takes a sip. 
when the glass moves down, no longer obscuring his chest, we can see a medallion. A symbol of the church of the slain God. Because the land still the beer, the wine, but we stuck with each other through the worst of times. And our bones are stone and our blood to brine for its time. Everybody! And the beer and the wine, but we stuck with each other through the worst of times. And our bones are stone and our blood to brine for its time. It toes the axle. Greetings and salutations, my friends. What brings you out on this beautiful, if be chilly, autumnal night? Oh, a story, you say? Well, you couldn't call me a coriander swiftwell if I didn't have at least one or two yarns to spin at the bottom of my traveling trunk, eh? <laughs> so, what is it you wish to hear? A fanciful comedy, a tragic love story, a tale of thrilling heroics? Oh, you wish to hear a history, a brief bit about a lovely town of Thornvale, you say? Well, I think I can oblige you. Now, our town sits nestled in the center of what is called the Ambershine Mountains. It may not seem so from where we sit, but the Ambershines are not what I'd call hospitable. They are jagged, steep things like the teeth of some horrible beast. And few dare to cross them, let alone explore them. Why, in my youth, we'd happily take the extra days it cost to go around this saw-to-the-range of rock and snow. <laughs> but for those that dare danger... And thems that lean on the kindless side of the loon's luck, well, they'll find Thornvale. The town is nestled in a charming little valley that stretches from the foothills and cliffs of Thornback Peak, following the river as it runs through the town all the way down to the edge of the woods. All between here and there, the Skyship Docks, Briar Hall, Shopsign Lane, the Decorative Gourd End, the Swiftwell Courier Service Headquarters, of which I am, of course, the head, even Old Town across the Stone Bridge, all that is what we call Thornvale. The town is undoubtedly old. You don't need a scholar's eye to look at the buildings and cobblestone streets to see that. Why, it was ancient looking when I stumbled upon Thornvale as a young man. When I did arrive, I was told that I was the first visitor to the township in almost 50 years. And upon further prodding, was also told that... Though it was infrequently visited by the outside world, town had seemingly always been there. Even, they say, long before the stars fell and the seas rose to catch them. Long before the manor's terrible appearance or the Red Feather Syndicate or, well, anything. It is a mystery that I have not been able to solve and currently do not have a mind to. Speaking of mysteries... You may have noticed that the most notable of them being that every hour of every day of every year, 
is touched by the delicate hand of autumn here in Thornvale. Trees, draped in their seasonal vests of red and gold and greens, drop their leaves into crisp breezes that tangle through fields of ripe and waiting crops. You will not find a place more masterful in the art of the cozy fire, or a mug of warm drink, or even the perfect hat, scarf, and coat combination. Why is it like this all the time, you ask? Well, uh, no one knows. It's always been that way. This world is full of wonders such as this, my friends. It is what makes life interesting. Now, let's see. A few brief but interesting tidbits about Thornvale. Hmm. Well, the town is small. Only six to eight hundred people live within the township itself. We do a good bit of farming and other bits of industry in town. Enough to keep ourselves comfortable and safe. We have no formal leaders, no mayors or lordships in castles on hilltops. We like to govern ourselves here in Thornvale as a community. Everyone has a voice and everyone is heard. It's important and it speaks to the type of community that we are. Tight-knit, like a good pair of wool mittens that keep the cold out and the warm in. Speaking of warm... It's taken a turn for the colder, hasn't it? Let's say we put the last of this fire out and get ourselves someplace warmer. Uh, you're far too kind. Shall we? Thornvale awaits, my friend, in all her nighttime finery. Come along. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like one of our newer programs, Shattered Sky. Shattered Sky is a long-form actual play podcast using the Cypher system, set in a home-brewed fantasy world. The story takes place roughly a century after a series of apocalyptic events that unleashed monsters, spread a plague, and broke the sky. Join players Nathan Kiss, Steph MHC, Marcus Mays, Claudia Jacob and GM Lauren Bond as their characters work against the oppressive forces of the corrupt government and try to change the world. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore 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 or on her podcast Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who could be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. 
There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky.